Welcome to the Wellbeing and Career World Podcast. I'm delighted to be chatting with Healthy Heather Fusilli, a National Board Certified Health and Wellness Coach, also holding credentials as a Well Coaches Certified Wellness Coach, Certified Tobacco Treatment Specialist, Certified Running Coach, what can this lady not do, Author, Trainer and Employee Wellbeing Consultant specializing in helping people live healthy, balanced lives. And on today's podcast, we'll be chatting about helping you quit tobacco. A very welcome to podcast. I'm going to try and pronounce this as best I can. Heather Fusilli. How are you today, Heather? I am doing perfectly well, and you introduced my name perfectly. Wonderful. I have plenty of practice I had. Before recording, I, I had plenty of practice, Heather. Don't lie. I didn't get it the first time. So let's, let's move on. So where are you right now, Heather, on planet Earth? <clears throat> I'm located in Florida. Oh, Florida. Florida. What, what part of Florida? Yes. North, North Florida. Very nice. I did a bit of uh, flying many moons ago in Florida, a bit of uh, private flying. I was getting some training over there near Daytona, Ormond Beach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Then I my went... neck of the woods. Okay. So there we go. So it's near Daytona. And it was, uh, where was I? It was else. Oh, there's a few places in Florida. Florida's a great spot. It really is a good spot. So you can make us jealous. What's the weather like at the moment? How, how hot is it? Uh, obviously, it's summer. It's really hot. It's terrible. It's right. really, really, really horrible. Um, my computer says that it's 90 degrees, which means that if you went outside, you would start sweating in about two seconds. Oh, dear. Okay. Is it very, is it very humid? What's the humid level? Are we talking near the 100%? It, yes, extremely humid. I, I think that it's like living in um, a rainforest. All right, okay. And uh, we'll, we'll talk, but we'll, we'll try and talk about like a travel segment at the moment. Is there alligators <laughs> near you right now, Heather? <laughs> I just went out kayaking on uh, one of our many rivers, and I counted eight alligators. Oh wow! That it, I it, couldn't see. Is it true, Heather, that they won't touch them or remove them if they're babies? Um, I don't know about that. Um, I, I have an aunt in who's in South Carolina. They are. Right. Okay. Now, I was wondering it was because I have an aunt of mine in South Carolina and she, she's in Myrtle Beach. And I think they had an alligator walk down the street or something like that. But because it wasn't big enough, they couldn't. They just, oh, off you go and find your merry way, so to speak. But is, it, it is... Is Florida, um, how do you say, it, it, is it what it seems? So for anybody that hasn't been there, is it depicted correctly as we see in the advertisements or the holiday magazines? Would, would you agree or disagree? As a vacation destination? Yeah. Like you have your Disneyland and stuff like that. And was it wet and, is it wet, wet and wild world, is it? or? Yes. So Florida is very diverse. It's right. actually kind of feels like three different states. I live in North Florida, which is very rural. And um, we really are right up against Georgia and Alabama. So okay. where I am, it's live oak trees, very wooded, rolling hills, lots of red clay. And then the central Florida area is where you've got Disney World in Orlando. That's where you've got Daytona and, you know, kind of more of the theme park corridor. And then South Florida is what's usually pictured as the beaches. That's where it's going to be much more tropical. And um, that's a big vacation destination. And probably um, most of the beautiful sunset photos that you might see are taken in South Florida. 
Right. So we've, we're doing our bit, Heather, for the uh, tourism industry at the moment. And, come to uh, Florida. Yeah, come to Florida. Who needs TripAdvisor? Just, you know, listen to Heather. She'll tell you. I mean, is what's your favourite part of Florida? Or what's favorite your, favorite, part, your favorite thing about it? My favorite thing about Florida, it's naturally beautiful. It's just um, a natural gorgeousness with our live oak trees and the Spanish moss. And I'm a wildlife lover and a nature lover. So our many rivers and waterways just make the state just naturally beautiful. Um, and it's it's a great place to live if you enjoy the outdoors. And the weather is always good, isn't it, majority of the time? We have an absolutely gorgeous spring. Starting in February and going through May, Florida is an absolutely gorgeous place to be. Get yourself to Florida. During the summer, but we have a mild fall and winter. So we rarely have to deal with any kind of winter weather related issues. Right. can do things outside all year long. Cool, you're 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 a wonderful advert for uh for for <laughs> Florida. Well, well done, Heather. So let's move on then to yourself, really. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I gave an introduction there, but more about your background. Well, I am a national board certified health and well being coach, and what that means is that I help individuals to live healthy, balanced lives. And I'm also an employee well-being consultant. So I work with organizations to help them create employee well-being programs at work. And how, how did you get into this or why did you get into it? What, what, what was the spark for you to get into well-being? The spark was people continually asking me to help them reach their health goals. I've always been very um, health and fitness oriented myself and just kind of in my personal life set goals to achieve different milestones in health and fitness, especially like in endurance running. I'm, I'm a marathon and ultra marathon runner. And people in my world would ask me for their support and guidance as they tried to reach their own health goals. And as I continued to do that, um, I became more interested in the idea of turning it into a career. And it's really, really important to me that if I'm working in a career field, um, that I have the proper credentials to be um, you know, qualified to do the work that I'm doing. And so I became certified as a health and well-being coach. And that was back in the day before we had a lot of credentialing and regulation around the health coaching business. Um, but I got certified as a health coach and went into business. And I've been working as a health coach for the past 12 years. Cool. And, and you, you mentioned you're certified. So you're, you're, our main topic today is trying to help people get off tobacco or smoking or cigarettes. I mean, what then, you're a certified tobacco treatment specialist. So mm-hmm. what is that? That means that I am qualified to help people quit using tobacco products. So there are several different levels of professionalism in tobacco cessation. And I worked as a tobacco treatment specialist for some years before deciding to get 
the next level of education in that field and become certified tobacco treatment specialist. So that means that I can help individuals um, create their own quit plan and connect them with local resources that could be helpful and also advise them on using nicotine replacement therapy and um, a combination of behavioral health coaching to ultimately create new habits and end their addiction to nicotine. And, and was there a reason why you, you decided to study this area specifically? Um, was it was it quite popular or did you just have an interest in this and in trying to help people cut off tobacco? I really just had an interest in it. it it's a very powerful addiction and when somebody is trapped and stuck in a cycle of addiction that they very much want to get out of, I want to help them do that. You know, it's it's not easy to do. And when somebody signs up to quit smoking, they know that they are signing up to do something that is going to be incredibly challenging and, and that they might actually fail at a lot before they find success. And because the impact of nicotine and tobacco on our bodies is so profound and just it impacts every single part of your body. And then also the result of getting it out of your system is equally profound. You start to improve your health immediately. You know, there are some things in our health and in our lives that we have no control over and that no matter what we do, there are going to be some health situations that just happen. But smoking is one of those that we do have control over and you can improve so many elements of your general health by getting that out of your body. And if somebody wants to do that and they need help, I will climb over mountains to be able to help them do that. Cool. So, so why do you think then, Heather, I mean, what, why do, with all the information out there that kind of tells us that smoking or, or tobacco or even vaping is supposed to be not good for you, why do you think people start in the first place? Is it, you know, is it like a social habit that they have that they think they look cool? Um, why do you think it is? A lot of times when I ask somebody, how long have you been a smoker? The um, the answer that I hear is I've been smoking since I was a teenager. And a lot of times it's for exactly what you just said to fit in. They think it makes them look mature or cool. Um, they may have been raised in a family where um, other people were smoking. And so it was the natural thing to do. And once they get hooked, uh, you know, it's very difficult to stop. Yeah, it's 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 it is amazing. You, you even see the advertisements on this on the tobacco or the cigarette boxes from the manufacturers. And I don't know if it's like this in the states. Do they show you like is there a picture of somebody that has had like uh, mouth cancer or tongue cancer? Is is that what it's like in America as well? Yes, um, there are regulations on how cigarettes and other tobacco products are labeled and that they are required to put a warning of the damaging health effects of 
using their product. And then when you see um, communications from organizations that are trying to help people quit smoking, the fear factor is strong. You know, they really try to play up how um, scary it can be and also just how gross it is when your body is is filled with all of those toxins. Yes. And, and the toxins themselves, I mean, what what is uh, – Say you're you're talking to somebody, well, Jen, you are talking to somebody that doesn't know much about it, but what is tobacco itself? I mean, is it a leaf? Is it a plant? Um, and and you know what does it do to the body? Tobacco, you know, and that's a really good question because there's you know a lot of times when we um, will kind of confuse tobacco and nicotine, and you know, are they the same thing? Are they you know what? how do we differentiate between them? Tobacco is the actual plant and, um, and it's grown you know, and the leaves of the tobacco plant are the ones that are put into tobacco products. Now, tobacco contains nicotine right. and nicotine is what people get addicted to. And, and even though they know they're getting addictive, I mean, it, it's just, it's like, to keep it simplified, like what can you do to help them get off being addicted? Sorry, addicted to uh, nicotine or tobacco or or smoking in general. I mean, what what are the steps or techniques that that you have? The most important thing to start with is a very strong desire to not smoke or use tobacco products anymore. And just to give scope of um, of what I'm talking about, that includes cigarettes, cigars, chewing tobacco, vaping, you know, all of those delivery methods. So the very first thing is that they have to really, really, really want to have the benefit of not being a smoker anymore. They need to be very committed to that because it's difficult to do. The next thing that I want to know is, you know, about their habits, you know, how much do you smoke? How many cigarettes do you smoke a day? What, you know, how long after you wake up in the morning, is it before you have your first cigarette? So that I can start to understand their level of addiction. Sometimes people say, oh, I smoke a pack a day, 20 cigarettes. Others say, you know, I really just smoke you know, during my breaks at work and, you know, after meals. And once I, you know, starting to have that conversation about their smoking habits can help me identify where, what path we're going to take. And usually the first thing that I suggest is starting to use a um, tobacco or a nicotine replacement therapy, like the patch, the gum, or the lozenge, because that helps to um, it eliminates the inhalation of smoke while weaning you off the nicotine. Right. And, and does that take long, Heather, does it? I mean, the process, or is it just depending on the individual themselves if they can sustain this? Because, you know, I'm, I'm, is it true that when somebody kind of stops taking nicotine, they kind of go to food? And it has the opposite oh, reaction. Very common. It's very common. Right. And one of the things that I do is is with identifying, okay, what's going to be the replacement? What are you going to do? Something, and I hear all the time, well, I'll have a healthy snack. 
Well, if you are used to smoking 20 cigarettes and you start having 20 healthy snacks, you're going to have a different problem to solve, you know, in short, short time. So yes, um, it's very common to replace cigarettes with food or um, sodas or things like that. Um, so we try to find healthier alternatives. Do you know, Heather, what to explain to anybody listening to this, what is it like inhaling a cigarette? What 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 does the person get from that? It's I mean, really, are they are they getting a relaxation? Are they is it is it like a buzz? What do they get from that? It's really ironic because what most people will tell you is that it is very calming and relaxing. That when they take that first drag of a cigarette, that they are able to relax, and it does have that feeling. Um, you know, uh, it does kind of have this calming feeling. But what's ironic about that is is that nicotine actually increases your anxiety. It increases your blood pressure. It increases your stress. And so what people are really getting the relaxation from is the deep breathing and the, the other calming things that they're doing while they smoke. I tell my clients all the time, you can take a smoke break without the cigarette. You're going to get outside, change of scenery, get some fresh air, take a deep breath, exhale slowly, and chill out. And you can do all <laughs> of those things without a cigarette. And even when, I mean, do you have clients that you've explained all this to them and you speak with the health benefits, or say the health benefits of not smoking or, or tobacco, um, do, do, they, do they grasp that or do they care? Or is it depending on the individual? All of that, all three. You know, yes, everybody is pretty much aware at this point of the damage of cigarettes and um, of smoking and just nicotine products in general. Um, yes, they care, but sometimes it feels in, like an overwhelming process that they don't have the energy to undertake until it affects their life in a way that is a deal breaker for them. And I, many, many times what I see is a grandchild on the way. All right. Suddenly they want to live forever. And so those health impacts that they felt like, ah, yeah, that's bad, but you know, we're going to die anyway. Okay. When the baby's <laughs> on the way, suddenly that changes. And a little bit about vaping. I mean, what is vaping? Does vaping, vaping contain nicotine as well, or is it something different? Because I'll be honest with you, Heather, when I'm walking behind certain individuals, when I'm walking on the street or going to work, um, and I smell sometimes the vape, I'm like, wow, that's kind of smells nice, you know? Um, what What is it? Well, you know, that's a really good question. We don't know. Right. <laughs> okay. We don't know what it is. <laughs> And that's what makes it so scary. At least with tobacco products, you can look at the list of ingredients, you know, and, and, and know what that is. With the vape products, we don't know what that is. It's frightening because it, you know, it's. It, I don't know what it's like in the states, but in Ireland, for example, there's there's vape shops nearly on every street, or vaping mm -hmm. shops where you can you can buy the the holder, 
and then you can buy these flavors and so on. So they're being sold, but yet not many people know what's actually inside it. So is there a possibility that it's actually doing more damage than nicotine? I think so. I, when when the vaping first started, we the um, tobacco cessation community, there was a first reaction of, oh, this is a great way to get off cigarettes because you you mimic the activity of smoking, but you're not smoking. But very, very quickly it turned into, but what is it? And so it, there's just not enough research. There's not enough um, information out there for us to, to know what it is. And that to me is a huge red flag that it's something to stay away from. I would not be surprised at all if we start seeing the same type of regulation on vaping as we see on tobacco products down the road. Have you had or ever seen or one of your clients, you know, over the years, for example, that they've come to you for a little bit of help um, to, to get off uh, tobacco, but for some unknown reason, they, they continued on. Did you notice their health deteriorate over a period of time? due to tobacco? Yes, yes. Um, you know, it's. I do have people who have come to me at several times and said they are ready to quit smoking. Um, and then we we begin working together. They fall off for, you know, what one of the many reasons why it's difficult to quit. And then, you know, they come back, you know, a time later and they've experienced additional worsening of the health problems that they were already having. And that's what motiv motivates them to come back and try again. So so how then would you suggest somebody manages cravings? So say, for example, they're, 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 they're stopping uh, tobacco and then two weeks in, they, they kind of walk past somebody smoking a cigarette and they go, oh, I, I, I got to have one. Is there, is there any methods or anything you suggest that, that could help that? the cravings specifically, because we see these advertisements of the gum, as you mentioned, you know, um, what else can they do? The first thing is to expect cravings. It's going to happen. It's an addictive product that is designed to get you hooked. So your body is going to crave it and your, your mind is going to crave it more than your body really is. And so first of all, yes, expect that to happen. And then have a plan. That's where nicotine replacement therapy really comes in handy because you can use the patch, which is going to distribute a low dose of, um, of nicotine into your bloodstream. So and you wean yourself off. You can use the gums and the lozenge in the moment. So as soon as you get the craving, you can put that in your mouth and it will begin working. And then you go straight to your replacement activity, whether it's reading, whether it's, um, you know, listening to a funny podcast or watching a funny movie or talking to a friend, calling a support partner, you immediately turn that craving signal and redirect it to a different activity. So you start to associate craving with new activity. Right. So distraction, distraction, distraction. <laughs> distraction, but also <laughs> engagement. You know, you're distracting yes. yourself and engaging in something else. And many times that craving cycle 
It only lasts for about 10 minutes. It feels like forever, but it's really only about 10 minutes. So if you can distract yourself and engage yourself in something that takes your attention for 10 minutes, you can get through that period. Do you think as well, Heather, does boredom have a role to play in it as well? So somebody that may have nothing to do and they easily kind of fall back into the old habit of smoking because you mentioned, you know, distraction. Maybe for those 10 minutes, they, they don't have enough distraction. So uh, how how can they manage that as well? Is, is, is it a case of like, you know, keep yourself busy all the time, have activities, talk to people just to get over that initial hurdle? Yes. And the longer you go, the easier it becomes. So you you can go forward knowing that it's going to get easier and easier and easier. The, the, the health benefits then, I mean, we've kind of been kind of, I'm not saying negative towards tobacco, but we've kind of said it's not good for you. But what, what, what's the positivity of actually not using tobacco? I mean, it's almost instantaneous. You know, when you asked about, you know, do I see people who come back with worsening health conditions? Um, yes, absolutely. But what I see more often and what's more exciting is to see the people who realize how quickly things are improving when they quit smoking. I mean, just within 20 minutes of your last cigarette, your heart rate starts to slow down, which is a good thing. Your blood pressure starts to go down. And that's just within 20 minutes. Wow. Okay. It's, it, it, it's, 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 I, I still just, I can't get my, and this is not me being judgmental because, you know, I, I can't be judgmental, but generally I can never get how, if, if an individual knows that something is bad for them, that then again, I can't be, yeah, I can't be judgmental because I eat chocolate and stuff like that. So chocolate too much of it can be probably too much sugar is bad for you as well. But I just can't get the, the, the effects that tobacco has for you long term and um, how people still can continue. Does that surprise you as well today, Heather, especially with education that's out there and the information is out there probably more than it was many years ago. Does that still surprise you? It does, but it also doesn't when I look at the advertising budgets for tobacco companies and the way that they specifically target youth who right. do not have that fully defined, developed prefrontal cortex that's going to help them with making logical decisions. And so, you know, when I when I see the amount of effort that's put into marketing to young people, then it doesn't surprise me at all because they get hooked at a vulnerable time of their life. And by the time they are putting those pieces together, they're really addicted. What do you think in your own opinion would happen if the governments tomorrow decided to totally ban tobacco and stuff like that? Do you think, would it help in any way or is it just society now, that's just the way it is? It's like alcohol, I suppose. I think that at least in the United States, well, first of all, if all of the smokers suddenly didn't have their um, their nicotine device, then everybody would get extremely angry and cranky and we would all be having to experience their withdrawal symptoms at the same time. That would be epic. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> that would be bad. 
Um, but also, I think it would just go into the into the black market. It would just go underground. I, I think that you know, there's people who want to get things are they'll always be able to find a way, and there's always going to be somebody who can get you what you need. I think as well. I always try to be open minded with a lot of this stuff, but I think like job losses and stuff like that, and um, would, would they be quite? large numbers and in relation to where they source the tobacco is where is the majority of tobacco where does it come from majority of it is it from the united states or from different countries around the world that's a great question i don't know i I really don't know where whether it's an import that we're buying from another country or whether it's something that we cultivate here in the u.s that's a good question no the economic trickle down would be if if tobacco products were illegal and that industry imploded, what would be the economic yes. effect of that? Yeah, I'd be, I'd be always wondered to know. I wanted to know what because it must be in the probably in the billions, would it, or even more? Because it's it's a massive industry still even to today. So it's 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 as you mentioned the economic uh, uh, issues that if it if it did disappear overnight it'd be interesting to see how they manage it but anyway it's it's we're here to talk about the health side of it but i'd like to have an open conversation to talk about all sides of it just to see the positives and the negatives um how then so you're a employee well-being is that how you is how you announce it there is it employee well-being officer employee well-being consultant consultant so how then do organizations how could they help staff to help them quit smoking or, or, or tobacco without them actually even starting? Well, I'm not sure how it is in the UK, but in the United States, it's not uncommon for a workplace to declare itself as tobacco-free, which means that you cannot use tobacco products while you are at work. And uh, so that you know, means you, know, you can do whatever you want to do at home, but when you're here, we are a tobacco-free campus. Right. Um, some organizations also will say, if you are a tobacco user, there is a surcharge on your health insurance. This isn't uncommon that um, somebody who you can determine through you know, a, a blood test, if there's nicotine in your blood, then you pay a higher um, premium for your health insurance. So there's a, you know, a, a penalty for being a smoker. And other organizations will incentivize their employees to quit smoking by offering um, financial incentives or free um, access to nicotine replacement therapy. And we have many government-funded programs and nonprofit organizations that offer um, quit help to um residents and many times organizations will host one of those meetings at their location. So anybody who's interested in smoke and quitting smoking can come and have that service for free and also usually get access to nicotine replacement therapy for free as well. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Do, do all organizations do that or is it just is a certain uh, government funded ones? So can, can private companies do it as well or is it just generally government, government supported or funded? Oh, anybody can. And and I think it's quite common for an organization, whether it's public or private, to have a policy about nicotine use and also to have a support program for anybody who wants to quit. Right. Well, that's, pre- that's pretty cool. I, I I want to ask you this. This is this is interesting me, this question. I'd be interested to know your answer. 
what has been the youngest person that has come to you that's trying to get off cigarettes? Oh, gosh. I, I'm feeling I'm going to be shocked. <laughs> well, you know, at, when, when you qualify it as person who has come to me for help, that yeah. that makes it um, older. Um, I would say probably the youngest person is early 20s. Okay. Um, but yeah. though many, many of my clients tell me that they started smoking before the age of 10. That wow. they tried their first cigarette before the age of 10 and that they were full on smoking by 13. That's mad. I mean, we're, uh, like age of 10, just say for example, where do you get the I money? I mean, cigarettes are expensive, aren't they? Oh, well, they get it from their parents that, you know, either their friends or their parents have cigarettes. And so they they sneak them from somebody else who's already bought them. So what what would you recommend? So say in that situation where you have a, a not 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 12-year-old, and mommy and daddy or the, the guardians find out that the child is smoking, what would you recommend? Because I mean, we see these movies where... The, the mom or dad find a child has, has been smoking, so they, they, they keep the child smoking into, until the child pretty much gets sick and never wants to smoke again. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of like a funny type of reaction to a, a problem. But what, what would you suggest if mom and dad were listening to this and or a guardian and they said, uh, you know, my child is smoking, what, what do I do? I think first it would depend on whether there are other smokers in the family or in the household, because if if a young child is smoking, it's likely that somebody else in their life is modeling smoking to them. So I would want to know who is the person who, you know, where did you learn this and where are you getting the cigarettes from? If it's a family member or a household member who's also smoking, it's got to be a family goal. It It's just almost impossible for somebody to quit smoking when other people in the house are still smoking. But I would, and I would, with, with a child, I would immediately get medical help as well, because, you know, that's the type of thing that you, you want to just monitor their health because of the devastating impact that inhaling smoke can have on a young child's lungs. What about then if the child is, is smoking and they don't they want to get off it and they're afraid to tell mommy and daddy, what could you tell mommy or daddy to keep it as 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 calm as possible without hitting the roof. <laughs> we understand, honey, or darling. You know what 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 could you um, from both sides of it for the child to admit it to the parents and for the parents to to manage the situation. One of the standard practices in that type of situation would be something that you probably don't really want to do when it comes to something like smoking, which is normalizing the behavior. You want to help a a child feel less stigmatized and less like they are, um, you know, an outlier and more accepted and feeling safe to come and say, I've been doing this and I know it's really bad. And to know that they're not going to immediately hear, you know, lots of chastisement and make them feel even worse because, you know, you want to encourage them to continue to confide in you and to feel safe with you. And so it kind of feels counterintuitive that you would then be like, 
oh, it's fine. Everyone smokes, you know, you yeah. <laughs> like that. but you would definitely want to cultivate an environment where you're saying, I, I understand this is really hard thing for you to talk about. And, you know, that this is the type of thing that it's easy to get hooked on and it's very difficult to quit. And we're here to help you and we're not going to punish you for this. We want you to get on the path to not smoking anymore. And so I think, you know, taking away the fear of um, consequences, you know, they're, you know, the, the feelings that they have are consequence enough. And so creating more drama for them is just going to push them further away. If somebody then, Heather, is like wanting to get off, just say a general person wants to get off uh, tobacco and they go to you, what what is the process? So initially, how how will they get in touch with you and then what will happen from that stage? So I'm the smoker, for example, and I say, I send you a little email or I phone you up and I say, Heather, I want to quit smoking. Well, how does the process start from there? I do most of my work virtually. So we would set up an appointment to meet um, over Zoom or something like that. And I would send a questionnaire to get some information about your current smoking habits. And then we create a plan of action that we both agree to and select a quit date that is usually about a month ahead and then start devising what's going to be the best path towards that quit date. Um, some people have you know, different feelings about whether they wanna use nicotine replacement therapy. There's also medications that you can take that can help with quitting. Other people wanna go cold turkey. We really just explore all those options. And you go in, you do it individually as well, but also do you do organizations and communities? Yes, yes. Working with a group can be great because then you've got an instant support network and you know, other people who are also working to quit and build that camaraderie and accountability. And it's great for those meetings to be in person. So let's move on then, Heather, to pretty much your own website. And uh, you have a podcast as well, which is Heather Solves Everything. So what's the podcast <laughs> about? And obviously, it's much better than this one, but <laughs> tell, tell listeners what, uh, what what it's about. Yes, you can find me at heathersolveseverything.com. That's my website. It's kind of the clearinghouse for all of the different things that I do. And it's also the name of my web of my podcast, Heather Solves Everything, is the show where I take credit for solving your problems by introducing you to people who actually can. So um, each season of Heather Solves Everything focuses on a different area of well-being. And um, right now, season five is all about mindful eating. So um, we don't talk about tobacco cessation necessarily this season on Heather Solves Everything. It's all about um, changing your relationship with food and um, going, getting out of diet mentality and into fearless eating. And can like listeners, can they send questions in to you to maybe get answers on the podcast with, with experts and so on? Is that possible? Absolutely. Yes. Um, on my website, if you go to the contact me page, there is a place where you can submit a question and ask to have your problem solved. Cool. 
And no wonder everybody comes to you, Heather. I mean, geez, you've, you've so much stuff to help. Um, you're also an author of The Happy, Healthy You. And what's that about? That's right. My book, Happy, Healthy You, um, The Happy Grown-Up's Guide to Breaking All the Rules, Breaking All the Rules for a Well-Balanced Life. Um, it's available on Amazon and wherever books are sold. And it is a 52-week guide um, through some general health and well-being topics. It's actually a compilation of essays that I wrote over um, a period of five years or so for um, a newspaper and decided to take my 52 of my favorites and put them together into a book. So each week has an essay to read, um, some journaling questions, reflection questions, and um, just things to consider as you approach your life. Cool. And where, where, where are you on social media? Are you on the Instagrams and the LinkedIn's and all these wonderful places? Yep, I'm I'm on um, most of the things. I'm on Instagram, Heather Solves Everything. Facebook is also Heather Solves Everything. On LinkedIn, you can find me as um, Heather Fuselet, um, or if you look for Heather Solves Everything, you can probably find me there as well. Cool. So I'm actually on Heather's. I'm nosy now. I'm on Heather's website as we're uh, talking. I'm not ignoring you, Heather, I promise. I'm just trying to promote. Um, HeatherSolvesEverything.com. As Heather's mentioned, there's a podcast there. There's coaching classes, consulting, information about um, Heather and how you can you can get in touch. Before we go, Heather, what would you say to anybody, as bluntly as you possibly can, who wants to start smoking tobacco? who wants to start smoking tobacco. Yep. I know by your don't, voice, you're passionate. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I, I, if, if somebody came to me and said, that I would like to start smoking tobacco today, I would probably run and tackle them and hold them to the ground and not let go of them until I changed their mind. Brilliant. Well, we'll leave it like that. <laughs> Thanks so much to uh, Heather Fuseli to, uh, for chatting with me today on the Wellbeing and Career World podcast. Once the podcast has been approved, which will be quite shortly, um, I'll put all the links to Heather, her podcast, information, coaching and classes, and you can get in touch with Heather uh, directly. So thanks so much to Heather for chatting with me today. Well, thank you so much. This was an absolute joy. No, me too, Heather. Thanks so much. <laughs>